So we look into that word, if you have your Bibles and you turn to Luke chapter 1, and it's talking about the angel's message, and we see that Gabriel comes on the scene, and the message that he gives Mary was very unexpectedly encouraging. But it's also troubling to Mary. So if we look at our, our passage here, it says in verse 28 and 29, the angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at, this, at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, if you think about it, the message that she hears and the response don't seem to add up. Start with her response, verse 29. What's it say? It says that Mary was greatly troubled. Now, given that response that Mary had, that she's greatly troubled, you would presume that the message that she received from the angel was a bad one, right? Yet it's the opposite is the case. Gabriel had told her, you are highly favored. God is with you. Which raises the question, why did that trouble her? So we're going to look at this tension this morning and consider... I think we do the same things today. We have things that shake our expectations and sometimes they leave us unsettled. So let's try to figure out why Mary's response doesn't seem to uh, dovetail with the angel's message. And I think the starting point and probably the biggest reason that we struggle with is it has to do with our expectations. Most of us like a very safe, predictable religion. You know? We might admire those great missionaries that go overseas or those ones that are just doing tremendous things for God. And we hear stories about that and we go, wow, that's pretty incredible that these people can do all these things. But we're not quite as happy or excited about it when it's maybe happening in our life. Because if we face it, when we pray for God to be with them, we pray those kinds of prayers rather than we pray that God will use them powerfully for His kingdom. And so when it looks like there's a small opening or an opportunity for us to serve, are we excited that this door is open for us? Or do we kind of look at it and get annoyed and say, I'm already busy. It becomes kind of an intrusion into our schedule. And so when God allows something in our lives that throws our set plans off, are we kind of curious of what He's up to? Or are we perturbed? Thinking, oh great, got to move my schedule around. I got to do all this other stuff. And so... A big part of the way that most of us want God in our lives can, can be summarized in two words. You ready? Insurance policy. We want God to keep us from the really bad stuff. We want God to listen to us when we're overwhelmed. We want God to make us feel safe in the face of death. We want God to keep everything in our lives on track just the way we think they ought to be. 
So it sums up what I mentioned earlier. We want a very safe, predictable religion. And that's a far cry from God whose goal is to transform the world. It's a far cry from a mission to reach the people in the darkest corners of the world. It's a far, far cry from a servant's wanting to do what the master would want them to do. And so we know the type of person that Mary was. I mean, after all, Gabriel says, you're highly favored. Yet she responds to the message with a troubled heart. Most of us don't embrace or do well when the unexpected comes right away. Because we like safe and predictable. But of course, Mary has her uncertainties and questions. But if we look at this, verse 38, it says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. She makes this faithful declaration. I am the Lord's servant. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty quick turnaround. So what do we do? Do we step up to what God has for us or do we kind of step back? Because often what God is telling us through His Word is very impressive. It's, it's, it's very incredible. And it's something that we think that we would just embrace with both of our arms, but sometimes we don't. Maybe we think God's promises are too good to be real. Or maybe we just like our security and safety more. Well, in either event, there are times today when God's message to us, like His message to Mary, is unexpectedly encouraging. But many times it leaves us troubled rather than excited. What do you think? With every head bowed and eye closed. No, that's at the end of the service, sorry. I want to look at a few examples this morning of, of, of what we're talking about. What are ways that God speaks something great to us and our response is kind of what Mary's is. Uh, we don't embrace it. Maybe we're too troubled. So what are, what are ways that we act like what God is offering to us too good to be true? Okay? So the first one is this. You can be for this proclaimed to you. Ephesians 1, 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We believe that Jesus died on the cross in order to forgive us of our sins. He took our sin upon Himself. It was an act of incredible compassion and love. But there are reasons sometimes that people will not receive the forgiveness into their lives. And I think one of the biggest reasons people give for not receiving Christ into their life is the phrase, you don't know what I have done. There are many people who respond to the offer of forgiveness from Jesus not with joy, but with disbelief. They think in their heart that I have, I've done too much bad in order for God to forgive me. 
Now we said that Gabriel's message to Mary was unexpectedly encouraging, right? Now as a sinner, we deserve punishment. As a sinner, we deserve condemnation. As a sinner, we deserve justice. But I think God's message to us, not through an angel, but through the Word of God, is unexpectedly encouraging. He says, I know you're a sinner. And what? I love you enough to send my son to pay that debt. That's incredible. But at the same time, many people find that message troubling. They say it's too good to be true. It's too much. There's no way that God would do that much for me. And I would agree with you if I had made that message up. But it's not my message. (laughs) It's God's message. That's what God tells us. The second thing that I think we deal with, that we struggle with, is you're a new creation in Christ capable of living victoriously. And look at that scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Usually we use this at New Year's, but we're going to use it in the old year. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. There's other passages, Galatians 6.15, Ephesians 4.24 talks about it. But it talks about, the Bible talks about and teaches us that Jesus didn't just die on the cross for our sins, but additionally, His resurrection gives us new life. We have a powerful salvation, one that empowers us to overcome the sin that's in our life. But there's many people that struggle with this. They're troubled by this. And they say, I'm nobody great. Why would God do that for me? You're going to get tired of a few phrases this morning. God's message to us, not through an angel, but through the Bible, is what? I want you to live out a life of overcoming sin. People find that message troubling. They would say it's too good to be true. I have a hard time believing that God would do that much for me. But here we see in His Word, He's offered us that very thing. So why wouldn't we want that? i got another one for you. This is where we're going to have some fun. The next, the next couple are really good. Your spiritual gifts and service are part of God's plan A. How many of you feel you have a spiritual gift? Okay, we're going to go back to Genesis now. If you were to read those 31 verses, which we're not going to spend time right now reading, Paul basically is teaching that God gives each believer a spiritual gift. At least one spiritual gift. When you're saved, you receive this gift from God that you can use for the kingdom of God. And Paul shares that God intends for each believer to do their part in order for the body of Christ to be able to function exactly how God would want it to function. In other words, your spiritual gift is all part of God's plan A. 
So when you sit and you just soak, instead of stepping up to serve, the church cannot be everything that God intends for it to be. The problem is there are so many Christians that don't live out the amazing opportunity to live a life of impact. And I hear it a lot that people will say, I don't have anything to offer. Now, we said earlier in our scripture that Gabriel's message was unexpectedly encouraging, yet troubling to Mary, right? We see something similar here. Because the idea that God wants to do something worthwhile through us is kind of unexpectedly encouraging, right? God wants to use me. Wow, that's pretty exciting. Or is it just me? It's exciting. But then what happens? Wait a minute. I'm just this person that's kind of in a corner of the world. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows anything I'm doing. There's a lot of people, there's a lot more people that are much more qualified that could do a lot better job than I'm doing. You ever felt like that? Or is it just me? So what's God's message to us? Not through an angel, but through the Bible. I have made you count. I already have plans for how I want to use you. Isn't that cool? And it's not even a want a recruiting Sunday. How about that? But many times people find the message troubling. They would say it's too good to be true. It's too much. There's no way that God can do much through me. Let's go through another one. Our lives are the billboards of God's transforming power. Maybe that's an old phrase. Maybe we should say our lives are the the Facebook of God's transforming power or the digital sign or whatever it might be. 1 Corinthians 4.20 for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that His all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Ephesians three twenty. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. Immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And I know a lot of you have some really big imaginations. And God can do more than you even imagine. And we got Colossians 1.11, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have the great endurance and patience. First Thessalonians 1.5, because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. Now go back to what we first started in Luke. Gabriel's message to Mary was unexpectedly encouraging, right? But it was troubling to Mary. We see the same thing in our lives. Because the idea that salvation gives us the ability to live victorious, to me that's unexpectedly encouraging. Wow. That's not an empty salvation. That's not this 
next life, in my next life, I'm going to be in heaven. I mean, it's good we are. Don't get me wrong. But it gives us power to make it through every trial and temptation today. So Paul teaches us that God, as God's working in us and through us, our lives become a testimony of the transforming power that He has done in our lives. God doesn't just save us and then leave us miring, moping and in our sin and, and all of that. He changes us and He uses us. We are the most powerful testimony of Jesus' power. Our changed life is a testimony to what Jesus is doing in the world. The problem is, we have lowered our expectations. Kind of like I do when I was in school. I lowered my expectations. <laughs> Many of us live like we don't, we don't expect a changed life. In fact, there's a lot of people that we don't expect much anything from God except maybe an occasional answer prayer. We don't look for our life to be substantially more Christ-like. So there's many Christians who don't make any attempt to live out the offer that God says, and all they say is, well, I go to church. Now, do you remember the message that Gabriel gave to Mary? It was what? Unexpectedly encouraging. But it was also what? Troublesome. You see something similar here. Because the idea that God would grow us so much that it would be noticeable to the world, making the world curious and wanting to know more, that's really exciting. That's unexpectedly encouraging, right? Our lives should be beacons of the light of Christ. Our lives should give glory to God. So why do we live like we're troubled by this? Remember how fast Mary turned around? Got all excited? We need to do the same thing. Well, what's God's message to us? Which is not through an angel, but where? Through the Bible. It's unexpectedly encouraging. And he says what? I want God, I want to see God work through my life. Now just say that once. I want to see God work through my life. Isn't that incredible? That's pretty exciting. But at the same time, we find the message troubling. And you're probably sitting there going, well, it's too good to be true. Maybe there's no way God would do that much for me. I can keep doing this all afternoon. There's a lot of promises in God's Word. We have the promise from Scripture. So the question this morning is this. Do you think God's message of salvation is too good to be true? And so we don't really think about it. Do we think that maybe it's too good to be real? And so we're not sure about it. I want you to consider your own spiritual life and realize if you truly believe 
that Christ died on the cross for your sins, for the forgiveness of sins, that He arose in the resurrection for new life, and that He offers that not only as an insurance policy, but it's so that we can live a powerful, victorious life every single day of our life. That's what it's all about. I want you to think about your own life. Are you experiencing the tremendous promises of Scripture in your life? Or are you holding back? Because you find it too good to be true. And I guess what I'm telling you today, don't hold back. God's Word is absolutely true. And He offers this victorious Christian life to each one of us so that we can make it through this life. And that we can be an example to the people around us. That's what it's all about. We celebrate Christmas. Are we celebrating the birth of Christ, realizing that He came to what? Save us from our sins. He's our Savior. And we need to receive that salvation. And then, be like Mary. What did she say? I'm going to quiz you. She saw it troubling, and then what? What's that? I'm your servant. You're my Savior. That's where it's all about. And I trust that Jesus is your Savior today. That we can live a victorious life all because of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we just thank You uh, for Your Word. We thank You for this, this season, although it's every day. And Lord, I just pray right now if there's anyone here that has never accepted You into their heart and life, that even right where they're sitting, they will ask You. And realize that You're the Savior of the world and that they asked for the forgiveness of sins. And Lord, maybe there's a lot of us here that are sitting there going, you know, I've, I know the message. I've heard it many, many times. But I do kind of grasp a hold of the world's thing and I really don't really think I'm that important in God's eyes. I just pray that You'll speak to them and that, Lord, we can all, in faith, just reach out to You and say, use us in the way that You see fit. And so, Lord, we thank You for the unexpectedly encouraging message. But, Lord, I just pray that we can get beyond the troubling and move on to a victorious Christian life. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.